Hello and welcome to the Midwest Football Podcast, episode 18. Your home for the thinking fans coverage of the Bears, Bengals, Browns, Colts, Lions, Packers, Steelers, and Vikings, all served with the side of fantasy football. The Hall of Fame game is in the books, so it is football season again. More on the Hall of Fame game, especially from the Browns' perspective, in a moment. First, though, let me introduce myself. This is Joe Smith, and I'm coming to you live from the Motor City, heart of the Great Lakes, and home of the NFL's most hyped team, the Detroit Lions. My broadcast partner is a big time bears hopeful and if you listened to episode 17 you heard just how hopeful he is please welcome chicago's own brian rosenquist hello midwest landers and friends coming to you from another scorching hot san antonio it doesn't even have a temperature right now it just says heat warning in effect what a shock but uh, if I sound a little run down today, it's because I just got back from a week, an extended weekend in Las Vegas doing what the only thing I assume people do in Vegas, and that's going to a Star Trek convention. I don't know what else there is to do there. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if I'm feeling a little down, you know, just, you know, remind me, pick me up. I'll do best. I'll, I'll power through it. But because it's football season, I got to see the uh, Hall of Fame game from my hotel room. It was pretty sweet. So um, I'm ready to rock. Are you today? We got some uh, fantasy football stuff because it's draft season, baby, and we're ready to rock. Yes. You know, don't wear down too far. I definitely need you to live long and prosper. But now that we are playing football again, we're moving beyond our team previews that we spent the last month doing, and we are entering fantasy football drafting season. So to help you, our dear listeners, with your fantasy football drafts, we're going to go over some draft prep position by position. We're starting this week with quarterbacks, the position least likely to have a major injury between now and the start of the season. We'll also hit the tight ends this week. If you think something we say is insane, get in on the conversation. Tell us we're morons by emailing the show. Our address is midwestfootballpodcast at gmail.com. First, though, the news. Jonathan Taylor's stuff continues to spiral apparently out of control. He has now left the Colts training camp to nurse the ankle injury on his own. It is still the same injury uh, that he had surgery on last year that they kind of pressured him to play through. I don't know if he did something to tweak it or if it's just still not right, or that's just the excuse to get him excused from camp, whatever it is. There is still Sturm and strong going on in Indianapolis. So this is the same injury, that, you know, or ankle, like you said, that he was on and off the field that hampered him last year. And this is concerning to me from a two points uh, on, especially on a fantasy perspective and from a Colts fan perspective, because the other news story that I'm going to intertwine with this is the cream hunt worked out with the saints. And there was a lot of rumors like that. He was going to get offered the uh, position in new Orleans. If he passed the physical and then, um, Diana Rossini had a tweet responding to an Adam Schefter post about four hours ago saying Kareem Hunt was called by Indianapolis before he even stepped foot on the field to work out for the Saints and was offered more money per source. He was advised to leave and head to Indy with a Colts visit. So that tells me either the news from Taylor's injury is worse than we think or Ursay is ready to just help. Jonathan Taylor, we don't want to pay you. You can pretend to have an injury, whether it's real or not. We don't want you anymore. Uh, go sit out your last year of your rookie contract. We're just going to go with Kareem Hunt. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or do you have any concerns? Uh, yeah. This is a huge problem for everybody concerned. 
Um, whether this is a legitimate ankle injury to, or whether this is something by invented by Jonathan Taylor to get him out of camp, I'm not sure. I do know that you know I'm still on Team Jonathan Taylor here in terms Same. of him getting paid. Because if you look at all of the players the Colts have extended in the last take your pick, when they have extended, they have always done it with one year left on the deal. Well, for Jonathan Taylor, that's now. So they've pretty much told Jonathan Taylor, you're not going to get picked straight out. And they'll probably franchise him, which they all hate. (laughs) Yeah. They won't even let him leave, you know. So this is definitely turning very poison very fast. A lot of people were kind of tagging Kareem Hunt as somebody that the Browns could tap if uh, Nick Chubb ever went down. Mm. Yeah, because he knows the offense is bringing back. Right. But already heard Zeke back to the Cowboys is a rumor now. Yeah. And like, but we're not doing with those rumors right now. Uh, My kind of take is this is concerning to me because either he might not play this season because Irsay is crazy, as we mentioned last week when we talked with uh, Seth about this. And he might be spiteful enough to just say, sit down, we're trying to lose games anyways. Um, it's first year of a you know new regime coaching era and stuff like that. So they do have free leeway, although I don't think the coaches want this. They want and the GM, they want nothing to do with this. Is this this goes beyond the the GM and the coach are caught in the middle. So I feel bad for them. Um and then but I think it's a big concern if it's his ankle again because he was he he was off and on for a little bit last year where he'd play a couple games, sit back, you know, re-aggravate it. Uh, sit down, come back, re-aggravate it. I think he had surgery. And for him to have all off-season and then come back into camp and have issues with it, if it's a leg- legitimate issue, this might start to make a case for Ursay to not pay him. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that really ticks me off about this the most is by every account I've ever heard, the Colts organization was pressuring Jonathan Taylor to play through the ankle injury all year last year Mm. until it became obvious that they were hopelessly out of contention and it became team tank of Palooza. So I think Jonathan Taylor has every right to be upset if they are using the ankle injury from last year against him in contract negotiations after they told him to play through it. I would 100% agree with that. I think uh, there was a Dolphins cornerback who used to play for the Cowboys that retired, I think, last year. And his his parting ways was saying, don't play through injuries. I can't jump anymore because I played through knee injuries year after year. And I move like an old man and I'm 29 or something like that. I forget who it was. Uh, we can look that up. But he was a he was a cowboy and then, you know, turned Dolphin. Um, and I'd worry about similar for Jonathan Taylor, especially if then he gets the injury prone tag. So we're not going to pay you because we force you pressured you to peer pressure you to play through the injury. So either way, um, not to step on too much next week's running back, but this is the first time this offseason that I've been somewhat concerned about taking Jonathan Taylor, even in the second or third round until this point, I thought he was one of the biggest steals you could get as you know, your second or third round pick considering his talent and age. To be fair, the team is still putting out official sound bites like we just want Jonathan Taylor healthy for the season. All is fine here. Nothing to report. I'm not sure I totally buy that except from the coaches because that's probably exactly what they want. 
mm-hmm. and the general manager. But there are some very deep issues here that either need to be resolved or will continue to cause problems. I have a question. Has he unfollowed them from social media yet? Because that's that's just what the new young athletes do to uh, get attention, like Kyler Murray did and stuff like that. They haven't removed him stealthily from the logo like they did, like Minnesota did with uh, Dalvin Cook before they tr- cut him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with all the stealthiness of a sumo wrestler with flatulence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> nice. But yeah, um, we'll see more of this developing story as it happened. And I'm sure, sure we'll touch on it again next week when hey, we do running backs for fantasy football. I was going to say, we're going to be talking about this at least four weeks in a row because we will be doing running backs. So we will be talking Jonathan Taylor regardless. So we can uh, move on to our next story, which is uh, the Detroit Lions has signed Teddy Bridgewater to play, I assume, quarterback or yes. coach. Okay. Yes, they've... <laughs> I mean, it's funny because they brought him in two different times over the offseason, including once about, what, four or five weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And both times, and the second time was weird because Campbell addressed him by name directly in a positive way, and then they never signed him. So I don't <laughs> I know what happened here speak. if they waited. On, yeah, because it's exactly, it was not coach speak. Mm. It was, I don't know how well Dan Campbell really does coach speak. I mean, Good point. You're, you're used to hearing people speak in absolute nothings and generalities when it comes to a head coach behind the microphone at a presser. But that's fair. But in this case, they actually did bring him in. So now the question is, can Nate Sudfeld hold on to the third quarterback job? Well, so I thought that was interesting because I was going to ask who the backup is because obviously the big hype was Hendon Hooker's drafting, but we all know he's being redshirted this year. So I personally love the Teddy Bridgewater signing for a team that's trying to contend because stylistically he's very similar to Jared Goff. So he can airdrop into the offense and move the chains if Goff misses a couple weeks. And we've seen him do it. Like he went three and zero, or four and zero, or three and one in uh, New Orleans one year, filling in for uh, Drew Brees towards the end of his career. Yeah, agreed. And he's just a solid veteran. I don't know if I'd want him on my playoff run, but he's the type of guy that could win you a football game here or there. Even worst case scenario, like people forget one of the same. Uh, both times the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. Um, who was the former Michigan quarterback that just retired in the offseason? Yeah, Chad Henning literally won them a playoff game, you know, and I could see Bridgewater doing that for the right matchup if you really need it. But I'm not going to go that far. I just think he's a great backup and he can do the same things that golf can do, but not quite as good. And he could do it for a short stretch if need be. Well, exactly. Uh, A realistic expectation of an NFL backup quarterback is if you have a division champion uh, championship caliber roster and your quarterback goes down and misses a month. So you need your backup to come in and finish the one game and do three others. Mm -hmm. You want that backup able to go two and two against decent competition. Yes. Keep you in the playoff race, keep you afloat. And I think Teddy Bridgewater can easily do two and two, possibly three and one or even better. So versus, you know, I'm, I really believe that the lions have idiot proofed this offense uh, so so that Nate Sudfeld would not be horrible, but I am not sure he's going two and two against good teams. No, nah, even I, I even with the rest of this Lions team 
being I, what it is. I'm just much more comfortable knowing Teddy Bridgewater can move the chains and also keep everyone's fantasy value, you know. And at this point, what else are they going to do with the salary cap money anyway? They might as well get insurance against golf going down. And, and you know, it's a good position to do it at. And speaking of uh, Lions, uh, former Lion pass rusher Trey Flowers signs with the New England Patriots. And I believe he came over with uh, the Matt Patricia era from New England, signed a big contract, possibly didn't live up to it, was good but underwhelming from what I recall. And do you remember what stop he had after Detroit between between now and... He was with Detroit for three years, 2019 to 2021. So they stuck with him for the first year of the Dan Campbell era. He was he was definitely underperformed his contract. He had a big money deal, but there he was surrounded by so many guys that shouldn't have been playing regular minutes in the NFL anyway. And you, nobody gets less out of more for when it comes to secondary players than Matt Patricia anyway. So Agreed. it's hard to say just you know, how good he is. But after uh, three years with Detroit, he went to the Dolphins for one year in 2022. So he's come in, staying in the same division and going from South Beach to the cold of New England to try and add some uh, extra pass rush juice to that uh, Patriots defense. Hey, I guess after spending his whole career in New England and Detroit, he did not like the warm weather in Miami and was like, get me out of this nice weather. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly what it was. You know what I need right now in my football career? I need a state level income tax. That's exactly what I (laughs) get out of Florida where there's none. But uh, all seriousness, though, I think he is one of those guys who's an above average pass rusher. I think when Detroit got him, he was overpaid, but it was partial projection because he was younger. And those type of guys are worth taking the flyers on at a premium position. And he's going to have a career where he's probably going to be very good as as a secondary pass rusher. And especially if he's paid properly, you know what I mean? Like if, if I would welcome him back if I was a Lions fan, but at a proper contract, not what he signed before if I was there, you know? So I think he's, they'll help New England out. The merry-go-round of pass rushers continues to uh, roll around. We're starting to run out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the Bears with Ngakwe last week. This week, it's Trey Flowers finding a home. Also, Justin Houston signed with Carolina to pass rush outside of Brian Burns. So I thought that was a pretty good pickup by uh, Carolina. I would say, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a one-year seven million. So Getting back to the Midwest, though, the Hall of Fame game, Canton, Ohio, featuring the Browns, which is one of our teams, and the Jets, who we've talked about because Aaron Rodgers decided to pitch a tent there. Well, we can Um, call them the Packers East. They're basically a Midwest team at this point. Yeah, fair enough. The New York football Packers. Plus their star receivers, a Buckeye. Yep. And there's rumors that they're going to try to trade for uh, Devontae Adams, but that's not official, so we're not going to talk about that. Maybe that's why Aaron Rodgers took a pay cut. Rumors! Yep. All right. Um, but How yeah, the Hall of Fame us. game drew some big uh, numbers like it usually does. People are at this point pretty much have the shakes for football. So about 6.3 million viewers tuned in to NBC for the Hall of Fame game, which is more than a lot of major sporting events. I'm not going to do the press release, but, you know, suffice to say, the NFL is absolutely the number one sport in the United States. Mm -hmm. 
Browns did win the game, but when you're in the preseason, the end result of the game is kind of secondary to what did you see out of the players that were that were there? So the Browns won the game. I think the more notable thing is who didn't play. Generally, this game, they rest the starters. I remember last year, there's a big thing made out of Josh Jacobs playing the whole game, and then they thought he was going to be cut because of it. But uh, Jerome Ford was the big news because he did not sit. He sat along with uh, Nick Chubb, which tells and usually indicates that he's going to be a heavy role as a starter. But it's muddled because he was also out of practice this week. So he, we don't actually know if he sat because they have big plans for him in the Kareem hunt role, like last year, or if he was injured and just couldn't play because he would have been the projected starter. So I think that's something to look forward going future uh, in the next couple games is, is uh, Jerome Ford sitting with the, with Chubb or is he playing as, and that'll be a big difference on, projecting his role, whether you think he's a handcuff or a handcuff with benefits uh, going into the fantasy season. So some of the big winners for the Browns was rookie defensive uh, tackle out of Baylor, Siaka Aika, uh, Austin Watkins. Is that the, is that the same guy that that was cut from the uh, Niners practice squad, the receiver? Yeah. Yeah. He looked really good at different times. He's got a lot of uh, fans within the organization, including on the, in the locker room pulling for him to make that the roster. And he looked good at different times uh, against the Browns. Siaki Ika, the defensive tackle that you just mentioned, was really the only defensive tackle that looked even remotely decent. So there is a strong sentiment that the Browns may still go out and sign a veteran defensive tackle because Mm. Jordan Elliott and Maurice Hurst, both of whom were kind of looked to as people that may contribute heavily this year. Yeah. Could not stop the run at all. They were getting pushed around. Okay. Yeah. That's a shame. The other big loser was to start with the negative stuff first was quarterback Kellen Mond, who looked terrible. Yeah. He, he got threw, to start. Yeah. He threw an interception that if the guy that caught it missed it, another jet would have caught it like it had zero percent chance of being completed it was just that level of brutal mistakes that you just can't have if you're auditioning to be the top backup yeah so he's an interesting um quarterback that did not do well because he was drafted in the third round for the vikings another minnesota team and people thought that he was drafted to replace Kirk Cousins, and obviously Kirk Cousins outlasted him in Minnesota. And apparently, he's giving way to Dorian Thompson Robinson, who had a rookie quarterback out of UCLA. Which I have heard a lot of people. He's a very uh, polarizing rookie, where some people think he's a steal, some people think he has no chance. So the fact that he did well in the first game is really, really good in my opinion for the Browns because. This isn't the first place that Kellen Mond hasn't worked out well in. And so if he's not able to function, it is good to have a rookie that could, you know, pick up the slack for him if I was a Browns fan. It's kind of funny because the DTR hype that is kind of circulating among the fans and mm-hmm. some of the media in Cleveland hit a pitch after the game when he threw just an electric block to help spring Demetric Felton on a run yeah 
And basically the fans and half the media were like, yeah, look at him go. And the other half of the media was like, oh my God, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, isn't that it? how Baker Mayfield originally hurt his shoulder back it's... in 2021 was he was like tackling somebody? A lot of Bears fans think that Jake Cutler cost the Bears a potential Super Bowl by doing something like that the year that they made the NFC Championship game and lost to the Packers at home because it was mostly Caleb Haney playing in that game because Cutler like injured his throwing shoulder making a tackle on an interception, which is it's a manly play, but you also want your quarterback to have an arm. <laughs> yeah. So it's but, it's you know, industry mm-hmm. was eight of eleven passing for eighty-two yards including the game-winning 22-yard touchdown pass to Austin Watkins. So I'm glad you brought up Austin Watkins because I was updating my Dynasty rookie rankings, and he's on my – I thought he was on my taxi squad, and apparently he didn't carry over from the season. So I'm going to file a complaint to the commissioner that he should be on my taxi squad at least until cross or cutting day this offseason because I've held on to him since he was a rookie. So it's good to see him flash just as a – fantasy owner and a guy who covers the Browns. So go Browns. Maybe he can uh, work his way up that uh, muddled, uh, you know, receiver core. I think there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys in there vying for it, but Cedric Tillman and David Bell, I like them as talents, but they, and Dan Donovan Peoples Jones haven't won the job yet as the third guy. So we'll see. What's also notable about Austin Watkins is not just that he went to UAB where he was a star. He's related to Sammy Watkins, former star. I believe he was cousins with him. And uh, right to South Fort Myers High School. There you go. Exactly. Where you used to teach at back in the day. So that was pretty cool. A uh, little small story. So I'm rooting for him to make the roster myself. Go Wolfpack. Yeah. The other news moving on from the preseason to the regular season, uh, it was announced today that the Vikings plan to wear patches on their jerseys uh, against Tampa Bay in the season opener to honor former coach Bud Grant. Um, notable for Bud Grant is he was the guy who took them to four Super Bowls with the Purple People Eaters defense and was one of three former CFL head coaches to take an NFL head coaching job. Uh, the other two were Marv Levy, who, like Bud Grant, went to four Super Bowls and lost all four of them. He was a Buffalo Bills great. And the third one was a uh, former Bears quarter coach, uh, head coach Mark Tressman, who played two seasons and did not lose a quarterback. So we got the raw end of that stick. He only made two seasons in Chicago, but he won a lot of CFL games. So uh, Bud Grant, um, he'll be honored for the Vikings. Do you have any thoughts on him before we move on yeah, to the next that's worthy of a of a patch and remembrance for sure. Agreed. So, you know, if if you make four Super Bowls, you are a legend for mm. not just that team but for the NFL. Agreed. But it is time to transition over to some fantasy football draft prep and we need to talk first about the quarterbacks, which is such a it's a position that so many people have opinions on. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And To me, a big chunk of this comes down to know your format of the major positions in fantasy football. I don't think there is one that is so dependent on format for its value, especially its value relative to other positions as it is for quarterback. I mean, just think of the options and all of them affect the quarterback's relative value. Are you in a points per reception league? Well, if you do, guess who doesn't get receptions, quarterbacks, downgrade? 
Are you getting four points for a passing touchdown, which is fairly standard, or are you getting six? Now, full disclosure, I've historically played in quarterback-heavy formats, so I'm used to quarterbacks being valued a little higher than standard leagues, which for many years was not at all. Mm -hmm. Is it a long-term format league where you have to get a star quarterback early if it's especially if it's quarterback focused also is it a is it a shallow bench where nobody's going to keep a backup quarterback except during the bye week if you've got to start 10 guys and you have a 15 team 15 man roster there's a lot of teams that aren't going to carry a backup quarterback and the not stud tier is sufficient is significantly devalued what about a shallow format the fewer guys you start the more a stud matters because it's easier to find a guy that you can just plug in if there are only two starting receivers plus one flex then there are plenty of guys out there that can be a low-end number two receiver. But there aren't very many guys out there that can be a high number one. So those number ones, the star tight ends, the star quarterbacks, they all have value. Nowhere is the is knowing your format going to matter more than with your quarterback plan. And then there's even a couple ones that are obvious, like if you're in super flex or two quarterback leagues, you really need them, especially in two quarterback leagues, because if you have to start 20, if you're in a 12 team, two quarterback league, you have to start 24 quarterbacks. And if you do the math, that means the other, the next, uh, there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. So that means there will be teams in the league that do not even have a backup quarterback that's a starter. Uh, on those rosters and similar to super flex super flex basically means you have a flex position where you can start a quarterback but it's not as urgent because you can still start a receiver or running back in that flex spot if you don't have a third quarterback um i've also played in points per completion where quarterbacks who throw the ball are more valued than quarterbacks who run and even going back to what joe was saying just four points per touchdown versus six just put in perspective Pat Mahomes, if he throws five touchdowns, that's 30 points in one league without yardage, without rushing. And the other, it's 20. That's a 10-point difference. What if he's going up against Jalen Hurts, who put up three touchdowns on the ground? They basically even each other out despite throwing two more touchdowns than Hurts ran for. But if they're both worth six, then Mahomes is way ahead. Uh, in that week at matchup versus being dead even. So you do have to know your format. Rushing always helps regardless, but it like I had Jalen Hurts in points per completion last year. He was good, but he wasn't elite like he was in most formats. And that kind of stuff matters. And then the other thing that too, that people don't think about is what you were saying earlier, Joe, about how deep your league is with starters. So when you have only, you can only start two running backs, that means the 20th best running back is a starter in that league. If you're starting one quarterback, the 10th best quarterback is a starter. But let's say you're in an ESPN or Yahoo standard where there's a flex plus two running backs. You might be starting the 30th best running back, at which point having three really good running backs can get way ahead of someone with two good quarterbacks, you know, and stuff like that. So it's, 
Especially if you've got a a scoring system that it's hard for a quarterback to excel in. Exactly. Because if my third best quarterback is, or third best running back is RB10 and yours is 50, that's a huge gap. Whereas you're probably not going to see that gap between quarterback one and quarterback 10 or 12 as a starter. So that's stuff to know, but super flex it's reverse. So that's just know your strategy, know your draft. And then, then you can look at the draft rankings that they have the conglomerate overall, and you'll have to bump up quarterbacks and bump them down. It's the hardest part of any draft. If you just look at a top 150 or top 250, because the quarterbacks, if you're not prepared for your league, you will say, Hey, I don't need to draft a quarterback till round six. And you go, why is everyone taking these guys in round three and four? And then you're just, you know, left at the wheel, uh, left at the altar so to speak, but you also don't want to overvalue them and take them in round two when you could be waiting till round eight to get your quarterback. Know your format. Know your format. But regardless of the format, we're just going to go through uh, Yahoo draft rankings because it's a pretty common used uh, ranking format. And we're just going to go through a couple of uh, guys of note. The Yahoo uh, uh, scoring system is 25 yards per point uh, passing, which is fairly generous compared to something like an ESPN where passing yardage almost doesn't matter. Uh, Four points per passing touchdown, not six. Minus two for a fumble, minus one for an interception. Ten yards for one point of rushing. And six points per rushing touchdown. And six points per rushing touchdown, yes, thank you. So a fairly common scoring system. Sometimes people will riff on this. Uh, for purposes of our rankings, let's assume it's a non-PPR. Mm-hmm. But mostly well, we're going to be comparing these quarterbacks to other quarterbacks. Yeah. So the PPR stuff shouldn't matter too much. We're just doing quarterbacks ranking. Right? Yes. Yeah. Right. So rushing is important, but it's not the only thing that matters in this format. But yeah, let's get right down to it. We are going to be using the Yahoo Experts rankings, which does have some crossover with Fantasy Pros. So they do uh, kind of work together on this, or at least talk to each other and get some banter going back and forth. The number one consensus guy is Jalen Hurts with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I think those are pretty much the consensus top three, no matter who you talk to. Yeah, I think that's the number one tier. So let's start a look down a little bit further than that where it starts to get a little bit interesting let's go to joe burrow at five before we go into that i just want to do a quick tiering so there's the top three tier which joe mentioned and then the second tier is lamar jackson joe burrow who you just mentioned and justin fields that's kind of the second tier um i believe there's a big drop off going down to the third tier which is herbert justin herbert trevor lawrence and deshaun watson And then we can move on from there. You guys can look up the rest of the rankings if we don't call these quarterbacks out specifically. So you said Joe Burrow. Do I think he's overrated or underrated? Yeah, he's got his calf that he's working on, but he is fifth almost universally among these uh, experts. One guy has him sixth behind the top three that we talked about Mm -hmm. and Lamar Jackson. One person has Justin Fields ahead of him. But ahead of guys like Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, 
the next year. Is that the right spot for a guy that might miss time in the beginning of the regular season? So this ranking does not reflect the injury for the record. This is what it was all off season. So that he has not taken a hit for that. Um, so I do think that from that perspective and more, I think he's slightly overrated. He's not popping up on many of my redrafts when I do underdog, et cetera, because um, I just think that he has, he's one of the best pure passers of these six because it's him and Mahomes are the best pure quarterbacks in the league, but we care about fantasy. He's got the good receivers. Um, I would say he adds the least on the ground. So if you know your format, like if it's a points per completion league or a super flex where you want a high floor, I think Burrow's worth it. But <laughs> in most leagues, I think his ceiling's a little lower than even guys behind him like Justin Fields. But even then, like, I don't think he's that overvalued. I, I'm looking at this. I still would prefer to have him over Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence, who are similar style quarterbacks anyways. So if anything... In most formats, like the ones we're talking about, I'd probably prefer Fields, but also because I could get Fields a round or two later than Joe Burrow when I'm doing the draft. And also just my style is I look at the tiers and I try to get the last guy in the tier. So if I want the second tier quarterback, Fields goes off the board after Burrow and Lamar, I'd rather just have Fields because I can, I feel like I can get a squeeze in an extra starting tight, uh, running back or receiver in the round before it, but that that's my style. What's your take on Burrow? I'm pretty much with you uh, in this format. Then yeah, he's in the right tier, but I might push a guy with more rushing upside ahead of him, especially considering we're already dealing with a calf injury. So I'd probably be taking a Justin Fields ahead of, Joe Burrow in this format. And just just to tie a bow off on it, Burrow did finish ahead of Fields last year, but we were short we have a short memory and we forget that Fields struggled mightily early in the season fantasy-wise and came on strong. So I think that even if you're concerned that Fields can't throw the football, uh even if he can repeat what he did last year, his floor is QB6. He could be a QB1. It would be hard I think I don't know if it'd be reasonable to see Burrow make it to QB one this year overall, unless he does, especially if he misses some time early on. Yeah. I think he has no chance to be QB one in this format, unless he throws 50 touchdowns and misses no time. Exactly. So, which is possible. It's in the realm of possibilities, but But you know, that's yeah. I agree. That's that. If you bet on that, then you are contributing to a nice renovation to Mr. Fan, Mr. And Mrs. FanDuel's house. Um, exactly. Skipping down a little bit, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence at eight. He is coming in right between Justin Herbert at seven and Deshaun Watson at nine. Do you like him in that tier? There is this is the first guy where there is some significant disparity among the pros, where you've got six for one, nine for the other. We're starting to see the the tiers sort of yeah flatten out a little so, bit. I think in general, this the third tier, the tier of Herbert, Lawrence, and Watson, is the hardest to figure out because Herbert 
and Lawrence are similar past first guys that add a little rushing. They're on the younger side. They, you can project them doing better than they did the previous year. And with Watson, we've seen him be a top five guy and you can project him rebounding. So all three of these guys have top three quarterback upside. But they also don't have the same rushing upside as some of these other guys do. And it's hard to tell because, you know, what is Kelvin Ridley going to be coming off of having had played significant time since 2020, I believe. And that to me makes him a Rorschach test and just like Deshaun Watson himself. But I, I am in general, I think that I'm going to lump Herbert unless he is Herbert. One of the guys you're going to ask me about. Uh, no, I've got, I've got, I'm going to talk about him okay. later. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say real quick that, these guys I like as players, but I think there's a big drop off from the tier two to tier three. And I think you're going to find they're overdrafted because people are going to see Fields and Burrow and Lamar go off the board. They're going to get panic and they're going to draft these guys hoping that they are Joe Burrow or Pat Mahomes. And then they have to be Joe Burrow or Pat Mahomes to return their ADP. And I think that's the concern that I have with them. So I, I think I, I put I'd say Lawrence is a little overrated, and I, I could see guys even in the in the teens beating him out. It's not likely, but I could see a realistic possibility as a guy drafted QB twenty being on par with him this year. So your shot is you know this is the tier that needs to be next, but you're going to push it down significantly below where yeah. the previous tier is. If, yeah, if I don't, the ranking might be right, but don't exactly. push yourself on this tier. If if I don't get Fields or Burrow or Jackson, I'm just going to wait on my quarterback and just try to pad my other positions if possible. That's the way I look at it. The these guys, I've been finding myself. I will say Deshaun Watson in this tier, it tends to be the the last guy I pick as a starting quarterback. He tends to go late enough because a lot of people just don't like him as a person. <laughs> Right. Well, I am definitely not on Team Trevor Lawrence. I saw a lot in it that I didn't like his first year. And people think that he had this massive jump with a nothing team and brought them to the playoffs. But that is not at all what happened last year. The Jacksonville Jaguars were capped out last year. So he had all kinds of help that some of which they had to move on to. So they are really betting heavy on guys like Calvin Ridley mm -hmm. being not just a good receiver, but the top five in the NFL guy that he was when he got busted for gambling on the NFL. I would much rather bet on Deshaun Watson in this tier because I think he has a much more of a track record. We've also seen him be top five, which matters. Exactly. I'm not saying that there's no way Trevor Lawrence can be a elite level NFL quarterback, especially in a, if I am not in a long-term format, especially if I'm in a format that is deeply values rushing the football, especially if I'm in a format that if I'm worried about my floor, like Lawrence is not the guy I want to draft where if I finish in last place, I have to get a face tattoo. That is not what I'm doing, okay? I want somebody safer than that. I also think your point, too, I'd rather wait on Watson. He's got more rushing upside, too. 
Yeah. And um, yeah. And the other thing too, when you mentioned his rookie year, he did struggle, but everyone throws that out because of the Urban Meyer situation. Whether that's true or not, we've seen other quarterbacks struggle as a rookie and do way better as a sophomore, like Jared Goff, like Mitchell Trubisky. The question is, can they sustain it? And where is the truth there? Exactly. I believe a lot of people are assuming that he's going to take a similar step in year three. And I need people to pump the brakes there and see that the truth might be somewhere between year one and year two. Yeah, it's not always linear growth, but I will say the Trevor Lawrence truthers do point out he was the top prospect at quarterback since Andrew Luck. So generally when you see someone have a good season, even if it's only half of his, you know, you've seen just as much bad as you've seen good. Uh, it's called the confirmation bias kicks in. They go, see, see, that's why he was number one overall. Uh, so maybe they're right, but I'm with you. I'm not gung-ho about getting him. I'd rather just sit back and wait. And um, we can move on to the next guy or we can tie off kind of my theory about the next tier. Because I, I, I'll just say real quick that I think that quarterback seven all the way down through quarterback 20, which is like Derek Carr, I think it comes a very flat tier. And that's why I'm also more willing to wait. So even though I think Herbert is the seventh guy and I could see Lawrence or Watson being eight or nine, I'd almost rather just wait and stack my team and then go get a couple of the other guys, you know, four or five rounds later. There's more risk in that, but especially in a one quarterback league, there tends to be more quarterbacks on the waiver wire that you can pivot to later. And we can talk about some of those guys that I like that I think have really high upside. They just have a much lower floor than these guys in tier three do. Gotcha. So let's speaking of that tier, let's look at Daniel Jones, number 10, 10, 10, 11, 12. A lot of people are locked into him somewhere in this 10, 11 low end starter range. And he's coming off a really good 2022 from a fantasy perspective. I'm glad you qualified that because he put up 700 yards rushing but he could not throw the football. In fact, I have heard a lot of uh, Daniel Jones and Justin Fields comps because of that. He also had a lot of excuses, like he had a very poor wide receiver group. However, I would argue... Which, fair, he did. Which is true. But they also didn't do a lot to address it. And then he signed a $120 million contract to help make sure they can't. Now, his move forward, I think, hinges entirely on Darren Waller's age and health. And if Waller can be the number one guy and they can kind of have a Kansas City light like offense and those all those that shotgun approach to receivers can be okay, Yeah, that's fine. The problem that I have with them when you compare him to someone like Fields, that was Fields first year as a starter. Daniel Jones is already at the end of his rookie contract signing an extension. He kind of is what he is at this point. I mean, he's he's going to be there for a couple more years, but. He just he was one of the worst deep ball passers in the league. So maybe the receivers will matter and Jalen Hyatt will help, but maybe he just wasn't good at throwing the ball deep. And he's just a guy that's semi-inaccurate that can move the ball with his feet. And that's that is what he is. He's not an elite rusher like a Lamar Jackson type. So I don't think he has the ceiling that these other guys do. His rushing floor keeps him relevant, but I've had guys like this in the past where they might have signed the contract, but they don't 
they're still expected to make strides as a passer. And if he doesn't make a stride as a passer, he might not finish the season, especially since they made playoffs last year. So whether you think that they deserve to make it in the playoffs or not, it will raise expectations. They made the playoffs. They won a game. He signed a big contract. Now let's see you carry us to the playoffs in another contract. So I think he's safe in a one quarterback league. If I was had him in a dynasty or something, I'd be looking to move him. If I could get a Daniel Jones at the price of basically free, then I'm okay with him as a low end starter or two quarterback rotation, rotational kind of guy. But there are a lot of people ranked behind him that I would much rather have for higher upside because basically Daniel Jones is rushing floor and that's all I care about. Yeah. And I really feel like we could do better than that. Even if all we were in a format that all we care about is rushing. And I want to point out too, just one more thing on the hammer home, the cop with uh, Justin Fields. He also had uh, Justin Fields also had 50% more rushing yards than him, much higher ceiling. And he's much younger and better prospect out of college too. When we go back to that Trevor Lawrence stuff too, that kind of can matter. Um, Daniel Jones, like you said, He's fine if he's cheap enough. I think you can plug and play him as a starter if you get him cheap. You're not excited about it, but the only reason you'd want him as your starter is if you loaded up the rest of your team, in my opinion. But Exactly. What do you think about Russell Wilson at 18? Overrated or underrated? Oh, I love this one. I'm going to go shockingly and say let Russ cook underrated. He was absolutely terrible last year. I think the coaching staff did matter whether you, you know, so if we're going to defend Trevor Lawrence two years ago, I think we can defend Russell Wilson. We've seen him do it. Um, I will say his stats in Seattle were degrading a little bit, but last year I think was an anomaly. I feel like I'm buying the rebound on guys like him and Deshaun Watson this year. Uh, having an adult in the room like Sean Payton to get the best out of him, I think will help. Um, my only real concern is Joe Lombardi wants to run that sh- uh, that check down offense approach that he did in New Orleans with Drew Brees. Um, I think Russell Wilson's at his best when he's scrambling and pushing the ball down the field. But we've already seen that with Justin Herbert last year, the last couple of years where he did his best when they were forced to throw the ball deep. And you know what? Justin Herbert still has good fantasy value because of it. So I'm not going to uh, – fade Russell Wilson because Joe Lombardi's his offensive coordinator. Also, he's he's the 18th quarterback. You're getting him for free. You're getting him as a mid-tier backup that I think I would be comfortable plugging him, playing him, depending on how you see him start the season. And the other thing too is I think you're gonna know you're gonna draft him as your backup and you're gonna know what he is by week two. So if he doesn't have it, you just cut him and find the next guy, in my opinion. But if he has it, then you got a gem. So I love him where he's at. Yeah, he's the veteran quarterback that I would want to roll the dice on if I was out of the ones that are coming at a backup fantasy quarterback price. I think he should be ahead of guys he that he definitely uh, outsizes their upside. You know, I, I like him more than Aaron Rodgers this year. I like Same. him more than Geno Smith this year. I like him more than Ooh, Daniel Jones I like him more than Daniel Jones this year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would consider this guy way underrated. Yeah. Let's wrap up the segment here with a guy going 
deep at the 23rd position, Kenny Pickett. Where would you is he underrated at 23rd or overrated? I am going to choose option three and say he's properly rated. I think he has he's young, he played well in the second half, but the Matt Canada offense is still there. I think he's going to be good enough to keep his pass catchers like Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth and George Pickens relevant, but it does. I don't, I think they're going to finish a lot of drives running the ball in with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And I think that um, it's going to be more of a, he doesn't, he's not going to run the ball a lot and he's going to do a lot of move the ball, you know, five yard, 20 yard passes to like check downs to Najee Harris and the Pat Fryermuth and Deontay. I, I don't see a lot of big plays in the Steelers. I think it's going to be a, a value, but he's a guy that I would like to grab as a waiver plug-in and a bye week than anything. So I don't know if I draft him. So I'll say maybe he's a little overrated because I'm looking at the guys that are going behind him that I think have a little more upside. So I think there's other guys that I'd rather draft It's if I were to draft and stash someone. Guys like a Jordan Love or a Kyler Murray or a Bryce Young. Well, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray probably isn't going to play this year, but but if he does, he definitely has a higher ceiling than uh, Pickett. Fair. I'm pretty much with you on that. Uh, Penny Pickett, um, unless you are in a two quarterback league or a super flex that highly values passing, then Kenny Pickett is pretty much a guy that you only have on your roster. If for some reason, you absolutely have to have two quarterbacks rostered at all times. He's a swing for the middle, swing for the double type guy where you're just hoping to get QB 15 out of him that can be a capable starter if you have a couple injured buyers. He's basically like a NFL quarterback, like, like we talked the way we described Teddy Bridgewater earlier. You want him to come in, not lose you four games while your starter's out, you know, or on a bye week, but you don't right. really want to start him long term and you definitely don't want him in the playoffs. They don't seem to be in any hurry to shove him out the door in Pittsburgh. So he has appeal in two quarterback formats. Other than that, I'm pretty much staying away. And if you have him in dynasty, hold on to him. You oh know, yeah. He's yeah, worth fair. holding on to, especially because he's coming into his second year. He's a rookie. He outperformed his expectations as a rookie. That doesn't necessarily mean he will move forward. Like we talked about with Trevor Lawrence, but he's worth seeing. So doing that, we've kind of given you an outline of the position and how we feel that, the tiers are and where you should be drafting each one. Let's highlight a couple of specific players. Uh, I call them buyer bewares. They might be considered busts where you come from or just guys that you wish you could get a little bit cheaper because you're not comfortable with where they're going. Uh, Let's start with a higher end guy that somebody that's going as a starter in most leagues that you're not sure should be. Okay, so my guy is Dak Prescott. Um, he's, you know, glamour position, Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He's had some good years. He's had some bad. Uh, he's obviously outperformed his draft position of a fourth rounder years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, he's a good quarterback. I'm not trying to knock him, but he is going 11th. He is a, quote, starting quarterback. But I just... I would just much rather have so many guys going behind him. If I'm stuck and I haven't drafted a quarterback and 10 other teams in the league, 10 or 11 have them, and he's the number one on the board, I'm just waiting for Geno Smith or Richardson or Cousins or Goff or Russell Wilson, (laughs) you know, and I might just, you know, throw a couple guys at it instead because I think that 
the one position that other than two quarterback leagues that I'd like him in would just be points for completion because the Cowboys do throw the ball a lot and they lost Zeke Elliott. So they won't be ramming Zeke and Pollard into the line, maybe just Pollard, but, and they do have, you know, they did add cooks. So I think they'll have a more, a higher volume passing offense, but he doesn't run the ball. He, he doesn't run the ball at all. He, he's, he's uh, like a homeless man's Joe Burrow type. Like he's an old school pocket passer and he is mostly dependent on how many touchdown passes he throws, which, you know, is very game to game and kind of inconsistent. So I personally, like I was saying, continuing with this, I think he's semi-properly ranked. I would just much rather wait and grab two guys in the uh, 13 to 20 some range than grabbing him as my top guy, definitive starter at quarterback 11. Yeah, to me, the guy that I'm a little bit worried about, buyer beware at his current draft level is actually Justin Herbert. Mm, That's much higher. That's a big, bold statement. Quarterback number seven. He got paid gigantic money a couple weeks ago, but from a fantasy perspective, he had a very mediocre season last year, especially if you are not giving a lot of props to passing. He finished the year with 4,700 passing yards, but just 25 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Very mediocre numbers because a lot of those touchdowns in the red zone went to Austin Eckler last year, who went completely bananas and had the highest rushing touchdown numbers he's ever had, I think. Mm. So we have to approach Justin Herbert with caution and the mentality that they very well might do that again as they try to squeeze the last year out of or two out of Austin Eckler before they just let him walk. I also just want to add to it. A lot of people are bullish on him because of the new offensive coordinator from from Dallas and also the addition of Quentin Johnson, the first round. But if part of the reason why they people are excited for Quentin Johnson as a receiver is because Keenan Allen might turn to dust because of his age and Mike Williams can't stay healthy. I don't think you can also be excited for him having the deepest wide receiver core when one's a rookie that hasn't proved anything yet. And the other two guys have a history of not being there. So a lot of people project him to rebound because he was missing a lot of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams last year. And that still might remain true. Oh, by the way, he also lost three fumbles. Oh, yeah, that could be rough, and especially in some format. So, yeah. Yeah, if you are in a format like Yahoo or ESPN where passes passers are not highly valued and you're looking for rushing, he had 147 rushing yards for the year. That's it? And no touchdowns. So So he doesn't have rushing floor. So, yeah, his, his rushing floor is actually the floor. Now that you talk about this, I would absolutely swap those three guys in that tier. I'd rather much have Lawrence and Deshaun Watson over him, not just behind him as a value. Um, especially because, too, the other thing that they're a little secret about the Chargers, their defense has been absolutely terrible under Brandon Staley, who is a defensive guy. And his he's on the hot seat because they've thrown so much resources like Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa at that defense. Uh, Joe J.C. Jackson, uh, Edron... Um, Who's the safety? Darwin, Derwin James. I was going to call him Edger and James. <laughs> and uh, their defense is still terrible, which is one of the reasons why he's thrown for 4,700 yards because he has to. What if the defense gets better? 
in the name of complete fairness, you do not want to fade Justin Herbert this badly if you have a scoring system that heavily favors passing. I would love like, him points for completion. Yep. Same and with in, Dak. Same with in Dak. A league Both guys like, are fading. In a league like the one that I run, which is and Brian is in, which is QB heavy, mm-hmm. then Justin Herbert is still a top six quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because you somewhere in there, because you have to respect the two years that he put up that were fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, the, and until last year's stinker. And remember too, it's it's don't hate the player, hate the ADP. It's also that he's the QB seven. And I think that it's just easier to find a guy similar to him at QB 11. Like even I, I wouldn't be surprised if I told you to fade Dak Prescott and Prescott ended up beating out Justin Herbert, but neither of them had a bad season, you possible. know, just stuff like that. So it's just possible, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Russell Wilson was competing with them too. That's the problem that I have. We saw it last year with Geno Smith and Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence all beat him out. Not by much. He was still a top 10 guy, but so at least you have a floor. So I think that's a good buyer beware. Go ahead and buy him, but just beware if you go a little bit later, you can get a stronger team around him. That's the key. Don't put, don't blow those picks yeah. off. You do. If you can get him at a fair value, that's great. But recognize that you are getting somebody coming off a bad passing year that has very little rushing floor. Yes. What about uh, some buyer bewares for people that are waiting to the mid rounds or late rounds to get their quarterback in? Uh, in uh, quarterback, anti-quarterback formats where you're looking, where the last one to get a decent quarterback wins. Who do you not want in those quarter, in those formats? Yeah, so if you're going to fade Herbert and Dak Prescott, also fade Tua because if you pick him up, you might be burned just as easily. Uh, he tends to, he has a lot of stats that look good, like deep passing, except his deep passing stats are like, throwing the ball 21 yards and then letting Tyreek Hill and Waddle run wide open because the other guy is blowing the safety off the top of the defense. And um, if Tyreek or Waddle pull a hamstring and slows down, but the biggest thing is really just his concussion stuff. I mean, there's a lot of smoke to him retiring because of concussion and head injury concerns. Now he might go on and have another 10 years, but We've seen guys abruptly retire early in their primes like Andrew Luck and stuff due to stuff like this. And we know a lot more about head injuries than we used to. And let's be honest, there was some scary stuff we saw on the field last year with Tua. When he played, he was really good. He's one of the most efficient guys. And I'm not trying to knock his talent, but it was a perfect situation last year with Tyreek, with the offense, with uh, Waddle, et cetera. And if any of those things don't fire like they did last year, he won't return his value. And that's what I'm worried about. And he's definitely not going to be running the football. I mean, I hope he doesn't add rushing floor because I would be scared to see his getting his head taken off for a third or fourth time in the last 15 months. So buyer beware. You can go ahead and take him. I think he might return his value, but I just think he's much more riskier than the guys going just after him. This is one of those picks, and this is absolutely no disrespect to his talent because he is phenomenal when he plays. Yeah. That being said, you, the people who end up drafting Tua are either the people who are blind to the risk or have a strong appetite for it. The, uh, I've You can see Tua go as high as eight on some expert rankings. I'm putting them closer to like 14. 
if I can, where I if I can get them for a high end backup kind of price, I'm okay with it because I've got another guy that's quality that I can step in that can step in and mm-hmm. take over if something horrible happens to Tua. God forbid. And he's one of those guys where I've grabbed him in a couple of the Pomeranian Superflex uh, best ball leagues for underdog. And whenever I get him as my QB two, I immediately grab a QB three just in case. Cause I think his ceiling could win me the league, to be honest, especially as a QB two and a super flex. But if I didn't have a proper backup, he could lose me the league by leaving me with one quarterback five games into the season. So that's the risk you have. And I think he's he's worth it, but beware. Buyer beware. That's the segment. Absolutely. And for me, the one that is simultaneously a buyer beware and an underrated is Richardson for the Colts. Because if you are in a format where rushing is all that matters, then you could make a case for Richardson as a low-end one. Mm -hmm. He does, as I've said many times on this podcast, he has measurables that no quarterback in the history of the NFL has ever had. Not even a debate. It is fact. Yeah, that's not a prediction. That's spoilers. He does. The problem is we have no idea if he or this offense, especially with that, if he doesn't have Jonathan Taylor as, you know, mm-hmm. as somebody to, to keep the uh, pressure off of him. We don't know that he can complete passes at the NFL level. We don't know that he's not a one look and go quarterback that defenses are going to figure out 10 games into his career. If all you care about is rushing. Sure. He could turn into a glorified running back for a season or two and give you some value, but he also could be washed out of the league in three or four years, or he could be Lamar Jackson with Michael Vick's arm. Mm -hmm. So, to jump in on your point, um, people point to Daniel Jones and Justin Fields, who we talked about earlier because of the rushing floors, and see those guys can't pass, but look what they did. Um, I also want to point out Justin Fields was on record pace before he didn't play the last game. So I'm not projecting Anthony Richardson to put up 1,100 yards rushing and break the NFL record as a rookie. I mean, he might. It's in the possibility, but I think we're asking him to basically do that in order to return his value. And what's interesting is in the past, the reason why I'm with you on the mid-round stay away form is because these guys like Justin Fields, he was a quarterback 18 or 20 last year. He was His risk was built into the ADP. People are just looking at Anthony Richardson's ceiling and saying, I'm going to go chase the shiny object. And I think if you're in a one quarterback league with a, with the, you know, a shallow bench, I think it's worth the risk because there's a lot of guys you can grab off the waivers if he doesn't work out. But in a lot of leagues where people keep backup quarterbacks, that can be scary because your backup, you know, your, your waiver wire, if he doesn't pick up, could be Ryan Tannehill or Bryce Young or something like that. Or Kenny Pickett or, or Kenny pick. Pickett. Exactly. As we mentioned. So people talk about fields and Herbert, sorry, and not, not Herbert fields and, um, Daniel Jones, but they also forget that um, Malik Willis was projected to be a top two overall pick to the Giants to, uh, or the Lions just a year ago, and he fell all the way to the Titans in the third round. And then when he played, he was so terrible, even with his rushing floor, they signed Josh Dobbs off the Lions practice squad to try to get them into the playoffs last year because that's how terrible Malik Willis was because he couldn't pass the ball. And 
that is another thing that's in the realm of possibilities with Anthony Richardson. So that's something to be careful of that he could be like that. To be fair, all reports coming out of the Colts have been glowingly, overwhelmingly positive, even of his passing abilities. That being said, did you really expect them to say he stinks? Yes. And the other thing, too, is I looked at his stats in Florida, which is a small sample size. When he does his first read progression from a clean pocket, he was actually very good. But whenever anything broke down, his uh, pre- his score went from 90 plus down to 30s, which is below 60 is terrible. So when he's under pressure, he better take off running because he was one of the worst quarterbacks in college football when he didn't hit his first read. And that's the scary part because in the NFL, things are going to break down, especially if that offensive line doesn't rebound. And then especially oh, yeah. if they don't have a running game to respect. That's exactly what I was talking about by a one look and go quarterback too. Yeah. Yeah. But then on the case for him, he's got the quarterback coach to bring him along as his head coach. So, but yeah. I don't, I, I'm not, yeah. he's, I, he's tough. I, I just be what buyer beware. Stay yeah, away, I, you know, buyer depending, beware. know your know format, because if you've got a rushing heavy QB format, then he is at then he is justified at about 14. Just understand that we don't know that he can pass yet. Yeah. And also so understand that you might start the season so, too. So oh. bake that into your into your calculus here. Have a contingency plan if you draft him. Exactly, because you have no clue what it's going to turn into. Yeah, he's he's the hardest guy to project in the whole league, in my opinion. So if you love him, I'm not going to say don't love him. If you hate him, I'm not going to say don't hate him. But I'll just be aware. Let's look at some options that we like a little bit more for value at quarterback when we get to the mid or late rounds. So let's start with a mid-round sleeper at uh, quarterback. Brian, who is who are you looking for in those mid-rounds? I like the pivot because I'm starting to get a little negative here. So let's talk about guys we do like. And I like uh, Jared Goff. He is going quarterback 17, which is funny because I think he was going higher last year. I think he was like 16 or 15. He ended up finishing in the top 10. I believe he was seven or eight, depending on the formats. And now he's being faded, despite the fact that J-Mo might be coming back after week six. So am I missing something? It feels like it's not it's within the realm of possibilities of him making a low end quarterback one, but you're getting him as a low end quarterback two. So I like him as a better value than guys ahead of him. Like, you know, a lot of the guys we just talked about. Yeah. Um, I feel like Goff is, and I've been fairly negative on Goff on this podcast, but I feel like he is a much better value than somebody like, uh, and Anthony Richardson that is so risky, although admittedly Richardson has more upside, or a Tua or a Daniel Jones. I, I would much rather have Goff way later than those guys. Goff is more likely to be in the top 10 than Anthony Richardson, but Richardson's more likely to be in the top three. Fair. Yes. I would agree with that. So I like him as a I, – I really like his value. I just think he goes at an ADP where – if you needed to plug and play him as a starter and you lost your starter or you went really late on your quarterback, you wouldn't hate yourself for going into him, going to the league with week one, especially if you're pairing him with like St. Brown or something. And one of my favorite super flex teams that I started with Mahomes, and then I got Carr in the third round and Geno Smith in the second. 
there were plenty of people I'm sure who won their league last year because Jer- because Goff and the Lions defied gravity at the end of the year last year, including our league. Mm-hmm. My favorite, if I'm going to go super duper late on my quarterback and I'm looking for somebody that I can comfortably put out there and expect some kind of starter numbers out of, I'm looking for somebody like a Kirk Cousins. He's shown tremendous uh, stick-to-itiveness. It seems like he's always, if he's not a number one, he's a very high-end two. You can get him basically for free. This year, I feel like they added more to the passing game and subtracted from every other aspect of the Minnesota Vikings team, so they're going to have to outscore people, which honestly is when he does his best work anyway, going all the way back to his days in Washington, when they just said, you know what? Let her rip, Kirk. That's somehow when he gets more efficient, When even though thro- just throwing from behind is when most quarterbacks crumble. I like somebody like that. Kirk Cousins is going 16, right about the same time as Jared Goff, so we're pretty much on the same wavelength. If we're going to wait to get our quarterback one from the backup tier, get somebody with a track record of being good. Mm-hmm. And I think you're getting a discount on Kirk Cousins because it's not sexy to draft him. No one is going to go, ooh, you got Kirk Cousins. I'm so jealous. But like you said, he finishes borderline top 10, top 12 every year, but you're getting him in outside the top 15. And the other thing, too, is one way to mine value at quarterback is look at the positional players. If people legitimately think Jefferson's going one overall, Hawkinson's a top three tight end, Jordan Addison's a sleeper. Someone's got to throw him the ball. So it's Cousins, right? So Cousins probably be pretty good. And he's always been one of my favorite backup plans, in my opinion, the last few years. He's solid but not sexy, but he's good. He's good value. And really, that's all you need out of a backup quarterback. You're looking for somebody to not lose you games if you plug them in. Yep. And 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 that's what I like about these guys. Now, if we go even later now, instead of looking for solid, we're looking for more upside again, in my opinion. So if I don't get these guys, what I like to go with is I like to go with young rushing floor that could burst onto the scene. So my guy, if you want to go for a real late, deep sleeper breakout candidate, my guy is Sam Howell um, of the Washington currently commanders, but possibly name change. We'll just come the Washington name changers. Um, when what I like about Howell, I know he was a fifth round pick, but he looked really good when he played last year. He looked really good in the preseason. And when he was at North Carolina two years ago, his junior year, he was the top, one of the top two prospects in the league because he was very proficient in passing. He lost all of his studs around him. He lost Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deame Brown. And with all the talent gone, he still managed to keep a really high quarterback uh what they call it a grade by pivoting to running the ball more to move the chains when guys weren't getting open. And he actually was a really good at the ground. So he has an underrated rushing floor and he has, he's the lowest ranked guy with that. I think could be a really good rushing floor in my opinion, as a quarterback 22 and his court two seasons in the uh, college were very different. And he reminds me of a young uh, Jalen Hurts, when Jalen Hurts was at Alabama, he was a running back that 
lost that way, you know, that was benched for Tua. Then he goes to Oklahoma and learns to pass. Howells was kind of the opposite where he was a good passer and then he learned to run the ball, but he's proven he can do both. And he's also got really good talent around him with McLaurin and Dotson and uh, Logan Thomas, if he's healthy again, uh, Curtis Samuel's still there and uh, underrated offensive line. So I think he could be, he's the guy out of the top 20 that I could most likely see finishing in the top, you know, seven. So I love him. Yeah, the guy that if I'm going to take a guy with my last pick in a deep league at quarterback, the guy I'm targeting is Jordan Love for the Packers. Mm, you got to love the you got to love the organizational ability to develop quarterbacks. They've gone way out of their way to get him all as many wide receiver tools as he could possibly want. He's got the defense if he can get a lead. They've got the running game to give him the support. They've I really believe they've done everything that they reasonably could to make this as smooth a transition for Jordan Love as they possibly can. Now, he's still a late last round pick because you want him uh, because you might end up getting a big fat nothing burger if you draft it. But if I can get him for free or premier uh, first come first serve free agency pickup, then he does legitimately have the upside to hit the top 10 with the tools that are around him with his pedigree and with the team that's bringing him up. And just to add to it too, he said he's been in green Bay for three years. The coaching staff clearly likes him or else they wouldn't have, you know, moved on from Aaron Rodgers the way they did. They still had Rodgers under contract for a couple more years, despite the drama. And I think that, I could see him leaning on the running game and really good offensive line, which I think is underrated to help a young quarterback out. He might be more of a game manager earlier, but he's going to have a solid floor. And I think he might have some good burst games, especially down the stretch. So he's got to keep in mind if someone cuts him in your league, he might have his best games in the playoff run when your quarterback might be injured. So as much fun as we've had talking about quarterbacks, we also want to bring up the tight ends, which this is a position to that we will not go as long with on the quarterbacks because, frankly, they're usually not as crucial to the success of most teams. But this is a position that's always top-heavy, and this year's no exception. We all know who the top guys are. We got Travis Kelsey in a tier by himself. Mark Andrews is there as a two. TJ Hawkinson is the usual three. Some people, some people have Kittle fourth as or some of them higher as an upside pick ditto with kyle pitts who some people have a couple spots higher as an upside chase mm-hmm. and then from there it starts to go very flat very fast yeah i mean you still got goddard and uh waller ahead but i think that's kind of the last of the quote elite tiers i wouldn't even say elite to be honest yeah. there is a massive massive drop off from the top two, three guys, four, you know, if Kittle or Pitts show up, then great. But compared to the rest of this, so your format matters, but not as much here. So we are going to go more more deep sleepers because part of the strategy is you get, it's a Ricky Bobby type, get first or last. And where people get in trouble in drafting tight ends is they go for the guys in the five through 10 range because they are trying to be get, get the next guy who's going to be the next Travis Kelsey, the next Gronkowski, who's going to win them their league all year. But in reality, 
those guys are more likely to be beaten out by guys drafted outside the top 20 than they are to be the next stud that gives you a undeniable definitive advantage the way Travis Kelsey did last year. And that's why people have triple, trouble with the uh, the strategy with the mid-round tight ends. And that's why I tend to steer clear of them as a general draft cl- uh, strategy, go first or last, Ricky Bobby style. I would totally agree with what you're saying. The, the, we all know that Travis Kelsey is going to be a first-round pick in your league. And if your strategy is that's the guy you want, then that's great. You can have a lot of success building a team around a built-in advantage at the tight end position. If you miss on him but still want a top tight end, you can get one of the next two guys. It's fine. You can absolutely plan in on that advantage and get it if the draft falls the way that uh, that allows you to do it. But there are real problems when you're chasing production in that middle group of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And that's the area that I usually try to stay away from with my own teams. Yeah, and I'm just going to say, too, one of the reasons why we can talk quicker about these is the nature of tight ends that aren't top guys in their tar- tar- top target getters in their offense. Um, it just becomes whack-a-mole is which quarter, which tight end am I plugging in? That's going to catch a touchdown that week in 30 yards. And we, we don't know a lot of these tight ends in the seven through 20 range. will probably catch five touchdowns. We just don't know when. So yeah. that's why it gets hard. And it's just about, you know, how you project it. So as Joe mentioned, um, all the top tier guys, we know who they are. You can look at your rankings, but if you do not get one of these top guys and you want to wait, who do you think a cup, one of your guys is that you could wait on that you could think could really outdraft his ADP this year. And waiting is absolutely the name of the game. If you can't get a top three, four guy, then I want absolutely no part of tight ends, say six through 10. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to get a guy that because I I can get a guy for free at the end of the draft that has a decent shot to be tight end six. And Agreed. if I'm doing especially if I'm in a PPR format or something where consistency of work will matter, mm-hmm. then I would love to get a guy like a Hayden Hurst mm-hmm. very late in the draft here. Because I think there's a really legitimate shot he could end up being the top target in Carolina. Yep. And he may not get a ton of touchdowns because I don't think the Carolina offense is going to set the world on fire, but he's going to, and he has a decent shot to end up with 600 to 800 yards and half a dozen scores. And for the price of basically free, that would be a really nice tight end. And basically free is Yahoo consensus rank of 23, which might not be drafted in some leagues. Yeah. So the, he's a last round, a last pick, round pick that you can get that might put get come back with starter upside. And here's here's the other two cases for him to add on to Joe's. He's got a young quarterback, so he might not score a lot of touchdowns, but young quarterbacks tend to dump off to guys in front of them, like tight ends and running backs. So that could help, especially in a PPR format. And then, even though he's on his fourth team, he's had top 10 finishes in Atlanta. Uh, he did very well in Cincinnati last year. He didn't make the top 10 in the final rankings because he missed a few games in the middle of the seasons, but he was great in the playoffs. So we've seen him flash. That's a key thing, too. He has first-round pedigree, and he could be the leading getter. So I 100% agree with that. And in a similar note, 
my first guy is going to be Tyler Higby. He's going off the board much higher, somewhere between, you know, 13. I see him in underdog at like 15 or 16 later, but he's going higher in the Yahoo. Um, he could legitimately be the number two pass catcher for Matt Stafford behind um, Cooper Cup. And I think the Rams offense is one of these underrated ones that could rebound, especially if you have a full year of Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. And you could see we've seen Higby have three touchdown games in the past. So if you're going to wait and on your tight ends, he's a guy that could be he he is top five upside, uh, especially this year if uh, Matt Stafford rebounds. Yeah, I really like uh, him as especially as a touchdown or bust option, mm-hmm. which there are, you know, which I you know if you want a best ball type tight end, you oh, love those, loved. you love those uh, touchdown or bust kind of options. I've got a similar one for my second one as Dawson Knox because I'm going to be my segue for you if you didn't (laughs) because I want a guy that's has a chance to catch a whole lot of touchdowns and until we hear something to the contrary Knox who can still block is the tight end in short yardage Mm -hmm. situations so I I love I like him and he's another guy you can get very very cheap because people are all over the rookie. Speaking of rookie tight ends, I am a fan of Sam Laporta, but not at the draft price that he's normally going for. Right, him now. and Dalton Kincaid are going very high. Yeah, if you look for any length of time whatsoever at the track record of rookie tight ends, you will stay away from rookie tight ends in formats where he has to contribute immediately. And I know you mentioned. Uh... Sam Laporta, but Dalton Kincaid's the reason why Knox is so cheap. Knox has been a top 10 uh, tight end. So like I've said before, we've seen it two years ago. Um, And he played with a broken hand last year, which, uh, which greatly cut into his production and Allen trusts him in the red zone. So even if Dalton Kincaid is taking a lot of snaps for him and receiving situations like they'll likely be as a slot receiver, not as the tight end. Um, I think Knox is still going to be on the field plenty, especially in the money situations in the red zone. And I think he might be one of those guys that has a lot of Jerome Bettis like stats where he had like the four yard, four touchdown game, you know, where I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if no one has more two touchdown games with less than 10 yards than Dawson Knox this year. And that's why I love him because you're playing whack-a-mole this place. He's ADP is tight end or ECR is tight end 26. I mean, that's, that's awesome value in my opinion. And I think Kincaid's more likely to cut into the uh, slot receiver role as a rookie. Maybe he'll cut into tight end next year, but we're, we're here for the redraft. So I'm buying the balance on Knox. Right. A lot of these rankings would look totally different if we were in a long-term format. Yeah. And um, the other, and, and, and that's the other thing too, is these guys, especially Hurst and Knox, they're great if they're your backup too, if you just need them as an injury or spot starter um, for a bye week, because you can, there's a really good chance that they'll score a touchdown for you that week. And then you can cut them later if you don't, if you, if you have a stud, you know, if you pick them up later, but I'd still rather just roster them and stash them. Uh, my other guy is uh, Gerald Everett from the Chargers. Apparently I'm very LA centric today. So he's kind of the opposite of Higby where Higby's could be the number two option in his offense, but Everett now has the three big receivers. Well, as I mentioned earlier, what if these guys 
don't stay healthy like Mike Williams ever is. We've seen Gerald Everett flash a lot, and they're bringing in the tight the, the the offensive coordinator from Dallas who made Dalton Schultz a star. Dalton Schultz is not the athlete that Everett is. Everett can show. And the other thing I like about Everett is he's a tight end that can catch a fifty yard touchdown pass. So he could get you an eleven point play and one game, you know, and be done for the season or for the, done for the game after one play. And I like that. And he can also be a red zone threat, et cetera. So I think that he's in a high volume offense. So despite a lot of miles to feed, I think at tight end 18, he's a really good shot at the top 10. So I might, one of my draft strategies, to be honest, in underdog is completely punt on the tight end. And I will grab three tight ends, Usually from this exact four you're talking about, plus Sam Laporta are, is the other guys that I'm drafting a lot of in underdog and best ball. It's easier in best ball because you're just playing whack-a-mole. But sometimes in regular season leagues, you just have to say, hey, I don't have the best tight end, but my tight end, if I wait him out long enough, he'll catch five, you know, five or six touchdowns and he'll have a couple games that help me win me a week. And I think all these guys can do that plus more. Definitely. Just be warned. You can graft a lot of value at a lot of positions, even the quarterbacks that we didn't mention, like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Tight ends, as Joe said, you tend to want to fade the rookies. They take two or three years to really hit their traction. So just beware of that. And I'm seeing Laporta and Kincaid going very high. And this is a good tight end draft class, but just beware what you're getting into when you get them. Pump the brakes. Yep, pump the brakes. You can still have your high expectations, but be ready to be hurt again. <laughs> yeah, as he does the heartbreaking with his hands, kind of that you can't, exactly. that nobody can see. It's good podcasting. Speaking of pumping the brakes, we're going to have to pump the brakes on this episode. We are all out of time today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've got other suggestions for the Midwest Football Podcast community's fantasy teams, please email us Midwest Football Podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to get your recommendations onto the show. Uh, Thank you to all of our listeners. It is always a pleasure to be able to entertain you for this hour or two every week. Thank you to Raymond for our wonderful intro and outro music. Find his music, including his album, Call to Me, wherever digital music is sold. You can uh, also thank Chris Branley for our original logos across our social media platforms. Feel free to talk to us there, too, and we can get some of your content on the show that way. But We need to take it into the locker room. It's fifth quarter time. And until next week when we will talk about running backs and all the news, we will see you later. I miss you already.